Shavy, Shavy, this is uh, your buddy Matthew. Uh, we do a podcast together. I'm from Lubbock. Um, went to high school together. Can you give me a call sometime? So, I mean, I think honestly, the, the biggest point of it is that they're trying to get um, is to deter Canadians from traveling abroad. Like, it's like don't go on vacation to like Mexico or whatever when we're going to make it really hard for you to come back. is set and the cool of the evening has blanketed the hill country surrounding Austin, Texas. It's found us here on Matthew's back porch, north central Austin. Night is the night is beautiful. It's chilly, just a little chill in the air, just the way we like it here. At one magical hour, a Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. We're looking at 161, a palindrome episode. How exciting is that? Happens happens every now and then, I guess, every 10 times yeah. in the last few, but uh, still cause for some celebration. You know, what else is cause for celebration? Such classic segments as Matthew, have you ever wondered? News cruises. Perhaps some avocado ratings. Actually, I know for a fact there will be avocado ratings provided by listener Manish. Very excited to get to those. He even included a graph. But first, we will say hello to the godfather of children's folk rock, the pride of greater Topanga Tarzana, the Martinique Mistaker, the Montserrat Mistaker. He's a friend of the Shoeless Piper. He's not mad at the dictionary. He's got mandibles like the Predator. He's Matthew. I need to burp. Before <laughs> I, Stop that. Before I do that. <clears throat> no, I'm okay. Here we go. <clears throat> I believe that podcasts are our future. Record them well and put them on the web. Talk about some stuff that you've been thinking of. Interview someone you love and make it easier. Let the listeners laughter remind you why you're doing this. I decided long ago never to cast in anyone's shadow. If we fail, if we succeed, at least the cast will tell our dreams. No matter what they take from me, they probably already have our dignity. Because the greatest podcast of all is happening to me. 
<laughs> that was a tour de force. R.I.P. Whitney. Jeez Louise. Good old Whitney. I love that song. I love Whitney. I love that whole era of uh, my life in American history. Not many voices like hers. Certainly not mine. Um, so episode 161. The greatest love of all is your love for your children. I, I think the greatest love of all is the love for yourself. Ah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, I, it's, it's, let me tell you, it's it, learning, ain't, it's learning, ain't Bobby Brown. It's like, no, 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 no. The greatest love of all is learning to love yourself. Uh, this song spells it out later. Yeah. But in this case, it's the love for this podcast. Yeah. Which is like loving ourselves. Yeah. There's a lot of us in this podcast. I don't know if you've noticed. Yeah. 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 You, in fact, in the elevator, when the person says, what's your podcast about? Your answer should simply be, it's about me. It's about Matthew and Schaefer. It's about two guys and their stuff. Yeah. See, that doesn't really capture the imagination like... The new horizon of American <laughs> entertainment. Or it's an arts and entertainment podcast about two men's search for community comedy and comfort in the contemporary world. Okay. Well, you got it down. You're ready. To, <laughs> do you ride on a lot of elevators? <laughs> <laughs> you should find one. And some, I, and it's a, and it's some interesting parties to... to uh, I tell any, any customer at the bar who will listen quickly learns that I have a podcast. Is that right? Yeah. And that's I why should, I should talk about it more on the construction side. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I had a quick look at the dashboard for the first time in a while. You know, we are just ticks away from 30,000 total downloads. Okay. 30,000 total downloads. <laughs> Which huh? is astounding to me. Hmm. I just, I mean, I thought it was going to be higher. I'm just going. <laughs> 30,000 divided by 161 equals, oh, 186 on average. That's that's not too shabby. Okay. Um, Decent. Not too shabby. So, uh, yeah, you know, RIP Whitney and uh, RIP David Crosby. David Crosby passed today. And um, I was like, David Crosby's still alive? <laughs> yeah. He was on his third liver, right? Third, is that right? He'd had two liver transplants? I think that's true. I think, oh, yeah, my God. Three. Liver number three. Do you have to be a rich, famous rocker to get a third? You have to be a rich, famous person, definitely. I, I, I thought so. I thought so. Because they're not just doling them out. Yeah. I, I don't like to dwell on that too much because there were probably a lot of people with less money who... You think there were some more deserving? May have also. I don't know. I shouldn't say South that. I, you know how? Who am I? Who am I to judge who deserves and who does not? I wish we could save. We could. I wish we could have saved Whitney with one of those livers. You know what I mean? That would be nice. Among and you know, but you know, David Crosby, you know, notorious. Let's say notorious asshole. Oh, is that right? Uh, I see you hit me to all these things like Chris Christopherson wasn't just the star of Blade and Blade <laughs> 2. Uh, <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. Like, I don't know as much about some of these people. What do you, what do you know about David Crosby? But 
that's that seems to be the general that's the attitude of his contemporaries in rock music that he's a little bit self-centered i see you know the kind of guy who would go through three livers you know mm. once again i am not casting aspersion my liver probably isn't really wild about some of the choices i've made right but he uh he's also made a lot of great music a lot of beautiful music i love amy said as we were talking about this just recently an hour ago oh the the harmonies you know the, those harmonies that he created with Stephen stills yeah and uh, uh who, who's the other one graham nash graham nash right? and for a while neil young raw that's right crosby stills nash and young yeah, it was originally yeah that was that was good stuff i love that song uh southern cross melissa etheridge Amy, and Amy mentioned Melissa, you know, Melissa and, and her and her wife of all of the people they could pick, picked David Crosby to provide the uh, the fathership of their of their child. Do you think that that's like a test tube thing, or do you think that was uh, um, the old fashioned way? I don't pretend to know how these things work, is, is but right? I, I imagine it was a <laughs> donation, just a donation. Yeah, sure. sure. Not hand delivered, shall we say? Mm, I I know what you mean. I think that your turn of phrase is not exact there, came but per, personally delivered came via UPS. Right. Okay. Or maybe the stork. Maybe the stork brought it. Let, let uh, if anybody knows about that, uh, get at us. Um, Matthew, are you are you a David Crosby fan though? You, I wouldn't say that. No. Okay. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I think Stephen Stills was really the genius there. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, as I've grown up, I've come to appreciate that music. But for a, a long time, I would have told you that, you know, CSNY was kind of a little boring to me. It didn't really grab me. Fair enough. Uh, but that was the ignorance of you. Which the folk rocker in me wants to chastise you the for. The folk rocker in like you. Like, you get so upset with me well, about Saying disparaging things about country. I deserve. That's folk. Now, but that's that's about the way you say it. Now, you know, if you had said, I don't have the context to really appreciate country music, and I grew up not liking it for the, you know, for maybe the wrong reasons. Uh -huh. You know, that's a different way of saying, oh, you know, I just, I don't really like country. I think that that's just a gross oversimplification. Right. I was thinking, I think about this all the time, Matthew. <laughs> it's clear. Whenever you make passing reference to it, I have to delve. Uh, you know. Let's delve. Let's, we have time. It's kind of like when you're a kid and, you know, you only eat chicken fingers. You know, and you grow up, you just start to try other foods. You discover that you, you know, that you like other things. You kind of get the context to appreciate different flavors that might have seemed strange to you at first. Or, you know, you might not have liked because, you know, oh, that's too spicy. Are we talking or, about food or podcasts? Oh, that's too hillbilly. <laughs> or, you know. Uh-huh. And, you, and, and, you know, and there are all, there, it's really easy to dislike things for the wrong reasons. And yeah. okay. because I think, you know, a lot of people don't like country music because they think, oh, that's dumb redneck music, you know. Right, which is what I was citing. Uh, you know, guys, you know. 
with too many guns in their trucks who aren't really cowboys mm-hmm. play that no good country music. Uh-huh. But that's that's a terrible dismiss. That's really just showing a tremendous misunderstanding of what is a very essential and uh, and singular kind of music. Okay. Okay. Point. It's not country music's fault. Yes. That that uh, pseudo pseudo cowboys, urban cowboys, in there with their with their boots that don't have any dust on them. Well, let me um, the point counterpoint. Yeah. <laughs> um, I um, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I I, I see your point on that. I I think that. There's a little bit of this thing going on where Shafee has a little bit of a, like a cultural thought hegemony kind of thing where you, th- and this is your viewpoint in the world, you, you love lots of things. You love lots of, it's chronicled here. You love lots of people. You have a bunch of many best friends. You love, you're one of those types of people where you're like, I love all kinds of music, right? Yeah. And I, I know that when anybody uh, expresses dissent about a, t- a band or or a type of music, you get very authoritarian on <laughs> on people. No, even if what, you if you were to you know, a, well, what about like, even what a about, band? Okay, but be, what about you know, Brian and the Clash? Yeah, that's you got very upset with Brian I'm and a, the Clash. I'm a little bit of a and and that reminded me of me and country. And and sometimes I think what you're expressing is is your omnipotent love for things, yeah. and you feel like everyone should embrace things the way you do. And I would suggest that maybe it's okay to let people have their uh, their feelings about it, but because and this goes back to your point about country. It comes from their experience with the music. Yeah. Like in this text thread about the clash, and I didn't know about the clash thing until me and Bro- you and Brian are on a text thread, and you the, you attacked Brian, <laughs> and you're a clash denier, and I, I was what, what is happening here? And I um I I know that feeling. Like I didn't I didn't mean to upset you about the country music thing, but you you got upset, and it's fine. But but people have their own like. And then, then in that text thread, it was, it was suggested that I don't really, what, what, what's the turn of phrase that we were talking about? It was like, I, I don't really, I'm not really feeling that is the same as that sucks. It's stupid. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I, I don't think it is. I think it's, uh, it's important to me that people, specifically you, as somebody whose opinion I care about, and it's important to me. It's important to me that you realize that it's not disliking thing, you know, it's not general dislike that I'm that I'm railing against. It's very specific kinds of dis- expressions of dislike. Okay. And like, like, imagine, what if somebody came up and told you, you know, oh, you know, I heard that Vanilla Ice record. I really don't like hip-hop. What would you say? <laughs> oh, okay. You know? Okay, but that's, you're defining, you're tr- so you're 
So you think that people sometimes define a genre by one prominent or artist? you know, or there's just a they just have a or okay. Experience. So somebody else something could say, oh, you know that that rap music, that's the music of you know people who sell crack and shoot people with guns. All right, you know that's a really that's a really oversimplistic way of approaching rap music. You know. And those, so those are my concerns. And, you know, it's a way of really robbing yourself of a lot of the depth of life. So that's why I rail against it. It's because I want people to experience and enjoy everything. And I want to share I, it with I them. Feel you know? like, I want to share I that love like and that, passion with like them. I feel like that is the, that, that's that's what we're getting at with this conversation. And I, I don't know like... if we've discovered that, but 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 our our words are helping frame part of like what you're about, which is helping people, Absolutely. helping other people to embrace life. Also, a really big, you know, people bonding over things that they like. Too often, I think people bond. An easy way to bond is to realize that you don't like something. You're talking about Rick DeSantis, or that you hate something. Oh. And it's so much better to bond over something you like, I think. When you're bonding over people you hate, that's how, you know, that's, that's how nationalism starts and fascism. Echo and, chambers. and uh, You know. Um, and there's nothing wrong with having an echo chamber about things you love. You know, keep that echoing. That's something, that's a signal that should be amplified. You know, but, is the podcast an echo chamber? I think the podcast is a signal amplification. Okay. I try to make sure that it's that we amplify signals of love. Oh, good. <laughs> um, well, let's start the podcast. <laughs> let's get to 161 here. Um, let's make sure we're still recording. Adios, David Crosby. I know that he, he had a really good life. Uh, and if, you know, the way I've always imagined heaven is a big, a big, uh, roadhouse bar where people are dancing and somebody's singing on the uh, stage. And I bet he's, uh, taking that stage tonight and really, uh, really going to tear it up. He's from a prominent family. Uh, is that right? I really don't know. Uh, there was a recent documentary about him that I meant to watch, but I never did. Um... I, this this is what I didn't know. Like uh, he's like this, there's a there's some train stop in New York that what? is the uh, that is the is of his family, family? the Van da, David the Van Cortland. Oh family. yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that he was. Yeah. That's extraordinary. Yeah. Um. I don't know much about the Van Cortlands, but I do know that name from living in New York City. Talk about something else. Okay, well, um, hey, have you ever noticed this? Have you ever noticed how health advice uh, completely flips and changes over the years? Uh, yes. Like, here's a good example. <laughs> Is in the 80s, they said... <laughs> They said, oh, all these saturated fats are causing these problems. And so avoid saturated fats and 
how, eat these fat-free foods that are full then, of polyunsaturated. Yeah, and then they give you stuff like um, margarine, which <laughs> turns out is way worse for you than butter. Do you remember like the half-gallon tub of country crock? Yeah, and <laughs> hey, why don't you have more of it because it's better for you than butter, yeah. right? And so, like that whole focaccia scene, and then <laughs> then the, with the fat-free foods, they would take the fat out of it and they would add sugar, yeah, which was worse for you. And then there was. I'm getting I'm getting to something. Here, back and forth, something that's gone back and forth our whole lives are eggs. Eggs okay, are bad yeah. for you, good for you, yeah. bad for you, good for you. Yeah. I'm definitely on the eggs are good for you yeah. train. I think that that's probably true. Um, here's another one was eat breakfast. In the early 2000s, there was this push that everybody needed to eat breakfast. And if you don't eat breakfast, you are going to be hungrier all day and yada, yada, yada. And yep. at the time coming out of college, I didn't really eat breakfast. I, I waited till lunch to eat generally, but then I kept hearing all this stuff. I don't know, probably about 2004. I was like, Oh, all right, fine. I'll eat breakfast. And now I'm addicted. I can't get off breakfast. Um, and now it's all about intermittent fasting. Oh, you shouldn't eat between eight and noon. You should have like, so that's another thing where it's like, what? Um, but here's, here's another thing that was in the news this week. Did you, did you see this? Uh, Canada's uh, drastic new alcohol guidance. Drastic guidance seems like <laughs> a contradiction in terms. <laughs> From the BBC, US and Canada Bureau by Holly Hunderich. Hunderich? In Canada, it should be dry January all year round, according to a new national recommendations that say zero alcohol is the only risk-free approach. So alcohol has gone back and forth. I mean, not really back and forth. They, they it, it just seems to be a tightening circle. You know, people go back and forth on whether, you know, that two, those two glasses of wine two with dinner are okay or not, uh -huh. you know. Uh -huh. I mean, this... This speaks to something that I was going to say to you about the food thing, you know, something that really opened my eyes. Not that I necessarily, not that I was able to easily apply it to my life, but it was interesting to learn it. It was when somebody, you know, talked about abusing food like a drug. Oh, yeah. You know? Right. Uh -huh. And, and I was like, oh, Yeah. I understand. I, I do that, you know, and anybody, you know, people who talk about shame eating, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's behavior that you would associate with alcoholics and drug addicts, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, what I, I was thinking the other day, you know, like if we're going to, you know, put the Sackler family on trial for pushing uh, Oxycontin on America and, you know, ruining hundreds of thousands of lives, like, the next in line after that, I think, is McDonald's, you know? Right. Pushing all of this really horrible food on on Americans and making it as available as it is. Yeah. Trying to convince them that it's healthy, convincing them that it's it's a break that you deserve today. Right. You know? Yeah. Rewarding. Making it as cheaply, you know, food. refining it refining it to, you know, to its to it's just fat and sugary essence is like that's like processing cocaine into crack, you know. That's true. So I just listened to the dollop on Colonel Harlan Sanders. Oh, Colonel Sanders' story is fascinating, it is, isn't it? It is fascinating. I'd be interesting to compare because uh, the omnibus did a thing on 
Oh yeah. Really, it was just about fried chicken in Asia. Oh. Uh-huh. But that's like. Did they talk about the Thailand restaurant that's just called Hitler? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, somebody opened a, a chicken fried restaurant in Thailand that's just called Hitler. Because they got but confused it looks, about. But it looks like KFC. <laughs> I don't think they got confused. Even be laughing. Hey. hey, there's our uh, buddy, the truck. See, it's Thursday you, night. Yeah, you don't. You come here on Fridays, and the train's running. You never see that guy in the truck anymore. There's he, a truck driving on the on, on the railroad tracks. He's like thirty, just like uh, the end of, of Thunderbolt. Of and like our Twitter. thirty thousand podcast downloads. We figured out which movie that was in, right? I think so. <laughs> The, the tough bit would be figuring out which podcast episode we talked about that. <laughs> it's one of 160. Well, then let me ask you the, let me ask you this, going back to this article. How do you feel about these recommendations being a, a pub owner? I think this is a terrible idea. I think it's <laughs> for people to draw. Honestly, down their alcohol I'll tell you this world, you know, it is. I, I, I agree that it's better for most people probably to not drink at all. Yeah. You know, and we're yeah. seeing, we're learning this as we watch our friends struggle with all sorts of stuff, you know, at this point in their lives. Yeah. And, you know, some of them have to quit entirely. Some of them should quit entirely and aren't able to. Yeah. And some of them are, you know, are able to, you know, just like food. There's, you know, yeah. there's people who, deal with it easily and then there's people who can't deal with it at all so yeah i'll freely admit i think i don't know what the world would look like without bars right you know maybe i mean the it's not the bars are not the problem yeah right and you know, there's there's really I don't know what the problem is. The human you know, desire. Recently one of our best sellers at the bar is we have Untitled Art, it's a really good brewery from up in Minnesota, I think. They make great beer. And they've started making all kinds of non alcoholic beer. Oh yeah. So we serve a non alcoholic West Coast IPA. We have a non alcoholic Mexican style lager. We have a non alcoholic Italian style Pilsner. Like all of the amazing different, you know, subtle different kinds of beer. Yeah. All in a non-alcohol. And that sells as well as some of our other stuff from oh, people just coming cool. in yeah. and enjoying a beer or two with their friends. Yeah, it's good to be the type of bar where, you, you know, people feel comfortable that they can come and just not drink. I, I, I've, been, <laughs> I've been to your bar and not had drinks. But, you know, it's part of the 10-year taper, so. And I think, you know, especially as marijuana <laughs> gets legalized around, you know, when people... What's that? People who use marijuana, I I believe, find that they don't need to drink as much and don't want to drink as much. Yeah. So, you know, I think as, you know, as marijuana becomes legalized across America, you're going to see a lot more non-alcoholic beverages, a lot more kombuchas, a lot more teas being more popular in the in the bar setting. But I think we've proven that the government telling you not to do it is not the best way to get it under control. Of course. <laughs> and I think that's, to Canada's credit, they issued recommendations, you know. And that's, that's, what a, that's the way it should be. 
Yeah. Making it illegal is never a good idea. Um, thanks for discussing that with me. You bet. Just wanted to know how. Got us into some interesting uh, feeling about that. Boy, the robot's really peppy this evening. That's uh, that's how I like it. So are we. I I think we should just turn this into the news cruise. I I was trying to move news crews up here. I know you have one that's not on the... Do you have one that's not on the show sheet? Yeah. We have like a, a multiple news cruises. Oh, I didn't find a way to get past that paywall. Okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll look into that and get back to that. Uh, what do you have? <laughs> I found... I started out with something I found online. News cruise! That would have, would have been an instance of high texosity. And I, I feel like we're not highlighting the texosity enough here. <laughs> well, I was listening to a show just recently and oh, it was with the Chris Christopherson talk. And I was like, oh boy, that's high texosity right there. <laughs> it's certainly... Well, Chris Christopherson actually, he was born in Texas, but he didn't live here for very long. Yeah. Uh, like hell you say. He's got a high tennis, tennisosity. How is that right? Um, but he was born in Texas. Uh, so... I found this article that uh, it was like KXAN or something, and it was things about things that about Texas that Texans don't necessarily think about, but that people who aren't from Texas point out. Okay. And it was, and then I realized the article, and it, this is the first thing it said. This article was taken from Facebook posts by KXAN viewers. Or something, and then immediately I was like, "Jeez!" Oh, and the article was terrible. But I, I, those local news, especially their printed stuff for their website is the really clickbaity list stuff. List listicles are the worst thing about contemporary American culture. I think. Well, come on. Well, there I sure that's I mean, a, that's I mean, a silly I mean, thing to say. No, you're right. I mean, sorry, uh, but the, but it's up there. Yeah, you know, and uh, let's say. Well, probably not even the worst thing about printed media, huh? But um, what do you think's dragging actual broadcast journalism down more, listicles or this podcast? <laughs> or the fact. Don't answer. Don't answer. Everyone refuses to believe things that are perfectly true. Um, anyway, it was terrible. The, the article was terrible. It was like, the first one was like. Texans have an unusual amount of pride. <laughs> Something like that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's true, right? <laughs> yeah. Is this a true false deal? But everybody knows it. It's not something new that we've learned from people who came to the state. <laughs> well, and it would, I mean, that's something that can only really be observed from the outside. Literally, the last thing on the list was Texans say y'all a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It was well, that's the worst. Oh, oh. This is just like it's just like a poorly uh, researched thing. <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. Right. Anyway, I noticed a link below it that I clicked on it, and this—I don't know. What's your relationship? Do you have strong feelings about zoos? <sighs> I mean, I get a sad, sad feeling when I think about zoos. Yeah. 
So, I mean, you know, I got kids, so we've been to a number of zoos, all, you know, all over. And some some zoos do it better than other zoos. I yes. Tell you that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, I still get excited by the idea of zoos because I love animals I and I love animals, to look too. at them. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I like I love being able to look at a bunch of different animals. I love museums. I love being able yeah. to walk around and see a bunch of different live animals. Everything about it, I think, is so great. You know, it just appeals to me. Yeah. Except for the fact that most of those animals are visibly miserable and it's a terrible thing to do to an animal, put it in a cage. All of that, let's just be real, it's horrible. It's a terrible thing to do. Uh, I think that there is the rare zoo that does do a good job. Uh, but, you know, even if you've, if you've got a, even if you have, you know, two acres of, you know, perfectly recreated jungle for your gorilla to run around Uh it's still supposed to be running around in a lot more than two acres you know yeah Yeah. whatever so it's just it's never enough it's never listen i know why the cage bird started a podcast (laughs) but the houston zoo and i think the houston zoo is one of the better zoos you know uh i've never been to the houston zoo they, they have they have the large the large format recreated, okay. you know, habitats for the things to live. Like I say, there's nothing as big as a as its home jungle yeah. for a gorilla to be hanging out in. But um, this sounds so awesome. This is an indoor. It's part aquarium, part you know, land land open land base exhibit. Uh, showcasing the wildlife of the Galapagos Islands. Oh. And it looks so awesome because you can be you're walking around up, it's like you're on an island yeah. and then you walk down beneath into into a you immerse down into a, an aquarium. Oh yeah, cool. And you're seeing stuff beneath it. Uh, they they've got shots of the building of it. It looks so cool. It's pretty neat to watch them build one of these habitats. Uh the opening it'll be a momentous occasion. Okay. Great. Don't get too high on your own supply there, buddy. Cons- and they're going to talk about conservation, I guess, educating. That'll be um So, introducing four, f- uh, what are these? Four female sea lions, but I don't think that those, that's separate from the Galapagos thing. So, I'm hoping to get a list of what creatures. Yeah. All you can see in the Taking Galapagos the center stage exhibit. of the new exhibit in an expansive new habitat will be giant Galapagos tortoises, Ooh. the most recognizable inhabitants of the chain. Ooh. Uh, they already had three resident tortoises that came to the U.S. as part of a conservation program by the Bronx Zoo. Ooh. The uh, Bronx tortoises. 270,000 gallon one ocean aquarium features two black tip reef sharks, two bonnet head sharks, a green sea turtle, and that'll be the central of the complex, a uh, school of stingrays, hundreds of colorful fish. That's so exciting. Something, a colony of 16 Humboldt penguins. I don't know anything about Humboldt penguins. Galapagos penguins. I guess they're almost gone because of overfishing. 
uh, and ocean pollution. They're strictly protected. So, would you say that the Houston Zoo is the best one you've been to? Well, I've been to the San Diego Zoo too, and that was the San Diego Zoo was kind of the first one to like kind of recreate the habitat and you know kind I of a think about zoos in a new way, and that's really extraordinary. Did the San Diego Zoo sponsor some kind of kids show when we were kids? I bet they did. Yeah, but I would say Houston Zoo is a close second to the San okay. Diego Zoo. Trying to think of uh, where we've been to some good zoos. The I Fort, remember the, the San Antonio Zoo being incredible when Fort, I was a kid. The Fort Worth Zoo is not too shabby. Speaking um, of things that are regrettable but are still amazing to me, when I was a kid, you could ride an elephant at the San Antonio Zoo. Whoa, that was friggin' awesome! But that elephant, I'm sorry, I feel shit. sorry for that poor elephant. Imagine but adolescent humans <laughs> on your back all day. Jeez. I don't know. I like to. I like to think that it was the it, kind of elephant just had the right temperament and just yeah, you're just like really this is cool. Bringing her, being it's like I'm an kid. ambassador for elephants <laughs> all over the world. And man, if one of those elephants had to relieve itself on your ride, boy, that was That's the highlight of the stuff. whole trip. It's a big P. <laughs> big P's. Extraordinary. Was that the news cruise? Uh, that was mine, yeah. Okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> thanks for thanks for drawing that to our attention. Our attentions. Um, I think we right, we need to go right into Matthew. Have you ever wondered? On, recently on the sh- on the podcast, you were like, "Oh, he wonders" or something like that. <laughs> Oh, he's been wondering. You bet he wonders. Yeah. Have you ever wondered why when we raise our glass and cheers, why is that called a toast? Huh. I have wondered that, Shafee. Why is that called a toast? It goes it goes back it goes back a long time. And uh this is actually I need to give credit to the stuff you should know podcast. This came up on there. They, they they briefly mentioned it, but they didn't really dive into it. I thought that we were uh, dedicated to the idea that we don't give credit <laughs> where credit is due. I thought that was part of our ethos. Uh, that was one of our core values. But no, see, I'm I'm slagging it. I'm slagging on them. They didn't they didn't go in. They didn't get to go into it as much as I wanted them to. The uh, in the 18th century. Oh, sorry, that's Cheers. Cheers is from the French word chier, C-H-I-E-R-E, which meant face or head, but eventually then meant gladness. So you say just cheers, like gladness, happiness to you. Yes. Um, I like that. Cheers is the the more Western version of like, it's, it's. It's a little flagrant. It's sort of cheap. Cheers. <laughs> like, oh, oh, be happy. The term. But in, in other cultures, it's it's way more serious. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. People seem to the take toast. That. Yeah. It's like, it is stop and think about this moment. I'm going to say this thing. And, but speaking of being serious, like one of the things, one of the reasons they had, they say they had for that was, you know, proving to your guests that you haven't poisoned their drink. You know, like, all right. 
oh, this first one we're going to the same time. clink glasses and all drink at the same time. Oh, right. <laughs> to show your guests that you haven't uh, you haven't pulled a fast one on them. Like the Sicilians will do to you? Where does... does excuse me. I'm offended on behalf of our Sicilian well, I, listeners. I, I, it's a reference to um, it's a reference to um, the Princess Bride. Uh, okay. When the you know they do the when Nigel um, Matoya survives the oh no when when Wesley survives the poisoning contest with yeah. the Sicilian. The term toast, as in drinking to one's health, comes from. The literal practice of dropping a piece of toast into your drink. In the 16th century, it was common pra practice to add a piece of scorched or spiced toast to the wine. The bread would soak up some of the acidity and improve the flavor of wine that maybe was not properly executed oh, back when my. people were making. That did not go the way I thought it was going to. <laughs> it seems like that a story. Strange thing to do, it right? took a weird turn, <laughs> for sure, man. And so, okay. huh. dip your toast in your wine. Toast. Which... toast. <laughs> and, then... and it's wine. It's not a beer. Yeah. Well, I mean, I... I like you know... it. When you said toast, I thought you were going towards the, like, German ideal of this is just liquid beer. Liquid bread, yeah. Liquid bread, yeah. Uh, as a bonus, it would also help soften up stale bread. Shakespeare huh. mentions the term toast in Merry Wives of Windsor when Falstaff calls for a quart of wine and says, put a toast in it. Oh. <laughs> by the 18th century, the term toast had meant a person honored by the toast rather than the actual floating of a piece of bread. Hence, particularly popular person is referred to as the toast of the town. Hmm. Boy, it's funny how words uh, evolve. It sure is. We start saying something, and then it turns into this other thing. It's like poetry. Or podcasting. Come on. <laughs> it's how we... Boy, I... It's our... It's our... Our weak attempt, our grasping it... Our grasping desperately at ways to explain and interpret our wild and varied universe. Yeah. Sometimes with these Matthew Have You Ever Wonders is like they're unknown unknowns. R.I.P. <laughs> Rumsfeld. Um, like I didn't even know that I didn't uh, that I didn't know about toast. I would, yeah. you know, I, I, I I wondered, but it was it was an unknown unknown. There are no, there are known knowns and unknown knowns, and there are unknown unknowns. Come on. We hardly ever talk about war criminals on this podcast. Um, speaking of war criminals, um, do you have, are there those songs in your life that like um, I know there are. There are these pop songs that uh, you've heard a million times. The war criminals I'm talking about are Third Eye Blind. No wait, is it? Uh, yeah, yeah, Third Eye Blind. Um, you know this song, Semi-Charmed Kind of Life? Which one is that? Uh, I want something to get me through this semi-charmed kind of life, baby, baby. My daughter is, 
I think this is Matthew's minutia, by the way. Um, my daughter is like discovering all this music, uh-huh. and she'll play this song, and I'm like, oh no, not that song, whatever it is. <laughs> but the other day, it was Semi Charmed Kind of Life, and um, they're just. I, I feel like if you are a just if you're a regular Joe like us. A semi-charmed kind of joke? Present company excluded. No, no, just like <laughs> you're just a kid who grew up in America absorbing pop culture. They're like, there are so many songs that you've heard so many times that you really don't like. Can you think of any just off the top of your head? There's a whole blind spot for me. Like, in the 90s, I was only listening to, you know, you could get records so cheap at, you know, vinyl records, so cheap at half price books, uh, you know, in the early nineties. Okay. Yes. When, you know, everybody thought that CDs were going to be the only thing around forever. Yeah. yeah right. The, uh, the, the, the secondhand market was just a wash. Vinyl, vinyl. Was dead. Yeah. Everybody was just dumping their vinyl at secondhand stores. Right. Could, like when we were, when we were, say juniors in high school, like right about 1990, you could walk into any used record music store and you could buy all of, you know, all of Bob Dylan's records in pretty condition for $2 each, you know, just every, every, you know, boy, I wish we could go back to that. (laughs) It's hard to get records now. So yeah, they're they're much more expensive. Um, yeah, some of those, you know, some of those that you could get for a dollar 99, Go for you know upwards of fifty bucks now if they're the right you know record pressing and in the right condition. It's really astounding. But uh, so that led to me really I did not listen to a lot of the contemporary music of the nineties because I was still discovering that old stuff. Okay. I was still discovering entire you know I was discovering reggae. I was discovering you know sixties uh, garage rock. You know. I was, I was really, I was discovering, at the time, I was discovering Bob Dylan, you know? I so, I had this treasure trove, you know, I could, I could, I could spend fifteen ninety nine on the new Third Eye Blind CD. I don't think I was buying CDs, but I was watching MTV, and I was listening to the radio um, at that time. Or, I could go into... You know, University Records and get four records. Oh, that's interesting. For yeah, um, I think you were really on the front line of being avant garde. <laughs> uh, I, it I was, mean, what you're talking about is really so advanced for a person of that age. Jameson that and I just like we just wanted to seek out the weird stuff. I see. You know. Yeah. And I had, you know, I would I would find the right adult. You know, I remember like cross-examining like one of my dad's friends about you know, and we found Hunter Thompson. Like I basically introduced my parents to Hunter Thompson. Oh. You know, and they ended up big fans too. Um but, you know, and then I would I would just I would talk to adults, and then they would say, "Oh, well, if you're interested in this, that, you should try this, this, and this," you know. And I would just keep following that rabbit hole, and I would I would skip lunch. I would, you know, any any of the money I got, 
how it was saved, and it was spent only on recorded music and books. Is that right? You know, huh. just I never, I wouldn't, I didn't have any desire for a new pair of shoes. I didn't have, you know, my mom took me to the mall once a year and was like, "You have to buy new clothes because you look like a bum." And I would be like, why are we spending all this money on stupid shirts? Can we go, you know, can we go to the bookstore? <laughs> was, I see. But we were definitely like compelled. Jameson and I were good at like, like this is a weird record. It has a banana on it. That's how we found the Velvet Underground. We didn't, we didn't know that the Velvet Underground was one of the most influential rock bands of all time. We were like, holy shit, this band didn't even put their name on the record. They just put a banana on there. That's pretty avant-garde. <laughs> Later, we found out that it was the Andy Warhol banana. We didn't even know that at the time. Oh, right. You know? Right. And so that's how that's how we started listening to Velvet Underground. Uh, okay. Roxy Music. That had... I just discovered Roxy Music like... I got the first Roxy Music ago. tape I just bought because it had two topless women on the cover. You know? <laughs> that was... Pretty good sales technique. <laughs> Um, just going to the record store and just looking through it and finding whatever album cover is weird and makes uh, you laugh, you know, okay. and like, find like, then find weird seventies rockers. I mean, it's super fun, super. And I feel like it's a little disappointing because that's harder to do now. Cause every, all of our culture is, re you know, recommended by one thing and another thing, you know, and you're going to, you're going to find it on Spotify, not from flipping through a huge pile of weird old stuff yeah. and, you know, yeah. picking yourself randomly. It's going to be something that's recommended to you based on certain algorithms. And it's great. You know, it's going to be something you haven't heard before. And it's going to be something you kind of like, but it's, it's not It lacks that total mystery of being like, I'm going through the, uh, there's a connection to the physical world. I'm going through the library at Texas Tech and discovering, wow, they have a book by the Marquis de Sade, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> Can I get the cliff notes on that? <laughs> well, okay. I just wondered if they're... Uh, I'm sure that you can't think about... It. Listen, if you, if you think sorry, of... Sorry, I you, didn't answer your question, did no, I? No, that's okay. Listen. But if you think of a... No, you did. You did. <laughs> You do what you what you're telling me is that you pop culture can't uh, uh, you know what penetrate your fortress. You know uh, what song I love from that time period because it was just total earworm. Huh. Like heard it on the I only heard it once and I was and it stuck with me. <laughs> it was like I would swallow I would swallow my pride. I would choke on the rhymes, but the lack thereof would leave me empty inside. To the man and turn it inside out. Find nothing but faith in nothing. Wanna put my tender heart in a blender. Watch it spin around till a beautiful oblivion. Rendezvous, then I'm through with you. I think that I was. I know this song. I think the band was called Eve Six. Okay. Uh, they were a Southern California, you know. They were in the third eye blind sort oh, of yeah, yeah. category. Okay, yes, right. Um, I think they were all they were all younger kids. Like they were like eighteen when they recorded that song and had a huge hit with it. One hit wonders. But there's, uh, there's just a ton of one hit wonder type songs that just bug the hell out of me. But and then there was and maybe they didn't at the time, but 
I now I'll hear them and I've just heard them so many times. And it's so funny to me that that was called like alternative music. Like, you know, Matchbox 20, Matchbox 20 was, you know, considered alt rock. Is that right? And it was like the alternative to what, man? This is, <laughs> this is <laughs> the alternative to your crappy life. Um, it's amazing how quickly alt rock was commercialized and packaged and chewed up through the whole, you know, record music record system and given back to us, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's most, most palatable, least offensive form. Yeah. yeah. Mm, this is some tasty alternative. What the record company does makes, yeah. you know, the record company makes, makes sellers, big sellers. Yeah. All that's changed. All that's gone. So it's good. I mean, RIP, uh, the music business. Um, let's go right to the poem. Okay. Do you have a poem? <laughs> that was all I had. I wasn't, tr I wasn't trying to be abrupt. <laughs> Jeff I, at my dad's was, car line. Well, I feel like this could be, uh, this is just a, this is just a Matthews minutia that uh, can wait till next time. Look, I'll save. I'll move it till next time. Okay. Right I don't want to miss the chance on. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking about writing a poem to to ha be read on the podcast. Uh, that would be wonderful. Yeah. That would make me very happy. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. I, what I need to do is put the correct words in the right order. That is... A, Just like Matthias Salina would tell you to do. It's easy. Pimping's easy. Podcasting's easy. Poetry. It's easy. Right, Ada? <laughs> Is this the poem? I'm just I'm trying to. <laughs> I wanted to read an Ogden Nash poem. That makes me want to write a poem on clickbait. <laughs> I think that's a great idea, actually. In the vanities, let no me, one wears panties. Let me take a note here. Uh, right. Ogden Nash from a. Poem about clickbait. I feel like that's going to go the way of a lot of these other things here at the top <laughs> of the show that we've just. Um, we were going to do a show about one hit wonders and we never did. We were going to do a day in history quiz. Never happened. Remember the craziest hotel experience that we never discussed? Oh, yeah. I just. I, I started to question whether that should really be recorded on tape. And uh, so I kind of, yeah, I shuffled that one. Title should I erase it? Should I take it off the pot? Should I take it off the show sheet? I'll leave it on there. Okay. Home shows. 
here is a selection from Ogden Nash's Spring Comes to Murray Hill, which uh, was the first of his poems published by the New Yorker. I sit in an office at 244 Madison Avenue and say to myself, you have a responsible job, haven't you? Why then do you fritter away your time on this doggerel? If you have a sore throat, you can cure it by using a good goggerel. If you have a sore foot, you can get it fixed by a chiropodist. And you can get your original sin removed by St. John the Bobbitist. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> Dang. I don't think... I don't think that Ogden Nash was a one-hit... A one-trick pony. He definitely wasn't a one-hit wonder. But, uh... He was a, certainly a big fan of the rhyming couplet in... Uh, I'm interested in this word, doggerel, and then whatever word it was rhymed with, goggerel? Goggerel? I think it's like, that's like gargle. Gargoyle? Gar no, like gargling? If you Gargerel. Well, he obviously, he changed the word to rhyme with doggerel. Gargle. Gargle is something, oh, yeah, yeah, is that right. how you cure a sore throat? Right, yeah, yeah. Why do you fritter away your time with this doggerel? If you have a sore throat, you can cure it by using a good doggerel. <laughs> I, I see. Yeah. I, I look. I went ahead and looked up doggerel. I know I'd heard that word sometime in the past. That is a comic verse composed in irregular rhythm, or a verse or words that are badly written or expressed. <laughs> the last stanza deteriorates into doggerel. What's <laughs> that? I, I think like Ogden Nash was the was a master of doggerel. That's fantastic. I think the podcast is a little bit of doggerel. Like an art lover looking at the Mona Lisa in the Louvre is the New York Herald Tribune looking at Mr. Herbert Hoover. <laughs> I like it when a rhyme is really stretched. Or when you have to say, I really enjoy it when you have to say a word slightly differently to make it rhyme with another word. The turtle lives twixt plated decks, which practically conceal its sex. I think it clever of the turtle in such a fix to be so fertile. <laughs> so there you are, folks. There's some Ogden Nash. Uh, he wrote... Dozens of collections of such wonderful, the the good kind of doggerel, doggerel in the uh, in the funnest possible way. Um, a poet for every man. I, I feel say. like we really got down to brass tacks with this episode. <laughs> I feel like we're getting better at like mask off, <laughs> fucking mask off. Oh, I wanted to remind everybody out there who's listening just to, like, really be kind to one another. It's always a good idea. I, I feel like I got, I need to, I feel like we need to remind people more and more about that. It's what the world needs now. That is what the world needs now. What the world needs now is pod, podcast. 
and the poor of the choices. There was an old man of Calcutta who coated his tonsils with butter, thus converting his snore from a thunderous roar to a soft, oleaginous mutter. <laughs> the sweet of the wine. The sweet of the mutter. <laughs>